Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens Adapted by Imagination Library Part 1 There once was a man who was angry and sad, so much so that it made him turn bad. Of kindness or charity he showed not a glimmer, and thus he became a miserly sinner. All that he loved was gold, gold and gold, above all else, even love, I am told. And so Scrooge sits, cold and alone, with only hard metal to call his own. But it's almost Christmas, a special time of year, and something will happen to make Scrooge here, to force him to listen to the pleas of the poor, and to stop him from cruelty, now and evermore. Mr Ebenezer Scrooge was a bad-tempered, cantankerous old man who hated the whole world and everyone in it. He was miserable, but he was also greedy, and the only thing which sparked his interest or put a smile on his face was money. In fact, he held on to his gold so tightly, it was said he curled up to sleep at night with piles of it in his bed with him. Not very comfy, but money was the only thing Scrooge loved. The problem, apart from sleeping terribly, was that Scrooge wanted every penny of his money for himself. He hated to spend even a tiny bit of his gold, and this made him a hard-hearted, cruel man, with no understanding of the plight of the poor. He was so unpleasant that he had become infamous in his neighbourhood, with everyone disapproving at how ungenerous he was. Help someone in need? No. Donate to a charity? Never. Offer to volunteer to help those worse off? Bah! Humbug! That was Scrooge's favourite response, and when he said that, you knew he was getting very cross indeed. His clerk who helped him with his business and did all the paperwork, was called Bob Cratchit, and Scrooge wasn't even nice to him. In fact, this December, Bob was shivering in his shoes as he sat at his desk. Try as he might, he couldn't even write neatly, because he was shivering so violently with cold. He had plucked up the courage to ask Scrooge for a small fire, just to take the edge off, and melt a few of the bigger icicles, but Scrooge's fury had nearly knocked him off his feet. Waste money on a fire for you, Scrooge had screamed. Never! If you are cold, Mr Cratchit, I suggest you write faster. That'll warm you up. Poor Bob scurried back into his office as fast as his frozen feet would carry him and he hadn't dared to ask for a fire again. 
On this particular day in December, Scrooge had left the office and was marching through the streets, ignoring everyone, as usual. Spare a penny for a poor lad to get some food, sir, came a child's voice from the street. Please help. After all, it's Christmas and Christmas is the time for giving. Scrooge's face darkened in a frown and he whipped his cloak away from the desperate hands. Be gone, he snarled. How dare you accost me? I am Scrooge, and you should know better than to ask me for a penny, you thieving wretch. It's your fault you are starving. Be off with you, and as for Christmas, bah, humbug. With these disgraceful words resounding in the street, Scrooge marched away. However, he was followed by the poor orphan he had been so cruel to. This little lad was joined by other poor children, and they set up a jeering cry which followed Scrooge down the street. Scroogey is a loony, Scroogey is a loony, nee-nee-nee-nee-nee, Scroogey is a loony. The children cried, their dirty faces alight with glee. Skin flint, Scrooge has a lot to lose, they continued. Scrooge had such a bad reputation that even the shopkeepers were smiling, and some even joined in under their breath. Bah! Humbug! the old man shouted, turning and waving his gnarled stick at them. Street rats, scrounging scoundrels, be off with you! Apoplectic with fury, Scrooge marched straight home to count his gold. Skinflint Scrooge certainly does have a lot to lose, sighed the vegetable man. Such a shame he has no kindness in him. Kindness? Scrooge? Ah, a rock's got more feeling, said the baker, and the two men shook their heads. And at Christmas of all times in the year not to help the little ones abandoned on the streets, tutted the laundry woman. Tis a shame, that's what I say. That Scrooge should be ashamed of himself. But the problem was that Scrooge wasn't. He knew that everyone tutted behind his back at his skin-flint miserly ways, but his response was just, you guessed it, bar humbug. That very night, however, something was about to happen which would change everything forever. It was bitterly cold as Scrooge opened his heavy front door slamming it against the harsh wind which was whirling and swirling through the entrance. However, even though it was the coldest night of the year so far, he only lit a small, measly fire. Coal costs money, Scrooge muttered to himself. He headed to bed soon afterwards and was asleep, snoring into the darkness. In the middle of the night, however, something woke Scrooge. He could not say what it was, just a feeling. He stared into the darkness of his bedroom, 
slowly, almost imperceptibly. The darkness wasn't dark anymore. A light was growing in the room and, suddenly, with a pop, a figure appeared at the end of Scrooge's bed. Scrooge sat up in fear, staring at the apparition before him. It was a man, a shadowy figure, and he wore chains which clanked in the eerie silence. As Scrooge stared at the ghost, he realised who it was. It was Jacob Marley, Scrooge's old business partner. But Marley was dead, scoffed Scrooge. He had died and was buried. The end. The ghost looked at Scrooge, then opened his mouth with a terrible wail. Scrooge, he moaned. Look at me and be warned. Scrooge stared at the ghost of his old friend. Look at me, demanded Marley's spirit, shaking his chains at Scrooge. I wear these chains because I'm imprisoned by my guilt. Marley had raised his voice and was shaking the iron chains which bound him and the sound rattled around the cold room. I stood by and did nothing to help. Nothing, no, he moaned. And his ghostly voice echoed until it felt like it surrounded Scrooge. I let the poor starve and suffer. I blamed them for their misfortunes, never thinking that it laid in my power to make a difference. I was selfish and cruel, and I am paying the price now. I cannot rest. These final words were spoken with a deep anguish, which seemed to come from the depths of Marley's ghostly soul. Scrooge stared, horrified at the sight of his old friend. Oh, but, but why are you here telling me about this? He asked. There's not much I can do. Marley's ghost stared at him as if he could not believe his ghostly ears. Why am I telling you about it? Why? He roared. To save you from the same fate. Scrooge frowned. Oh yes, friend Scrooge, Marley continued, his voice low and menacing. If you do not change your ways, you too will suffer. You too will have to pay the price. You too will wear the chains of guilt forever. Scrooge still didn't look completely convinced. Look, uh, well, nice of you to pop by and see me and all that, Marley, but I really don't see how I can help, he said apologetically. And, uh, well, thanks for the advice, but I think I'll tread my own path, thank you.
Marley stared at him in furious disbelief. Thanks for the advice, he repeated. Thanks for the advice? You two will wear the chains of your cruelty, Scrooge. Really, my dear chap, you're working yourself up into quite a frenzy, remarked Scrooge mildly. The furious ghost took a deep breath. Over the next three nights, you will be haunted by three ghosts. Scrooge raised a wiry eyebrow. Then you will realise who you have become, Marley continued, pointing a gnarled finger at his old friend. Then you will wish to change your ways. And with a final groan, Marley's ghost swept from the room, leaving a ringing silence in his wake. Scrooge frowned. Humbug, he snorted. I must be imagining things. But he felt uneasy nonetheless and decided to go straight to bed where he fell into a deep sleep. It was the depths of night when Scrooge woke up suddenly. He did not know why he had awoken so suddenly, but something felt wrong. His eyes slowly grew accustomed to the darkness. Nothing. Well, nothing unusual appeared to him. Humbug, he muttered under his breath. But then... A dim light was steadily growing stronger and stronger in the room. He couldn't see where it came from, only that the room was becoming brighter and brighter. He sat up in bed, his eyes wide. Not Marley again, he thought. What was happening? Suddenly, the strange light resolved itself in the form of a child perched on the end of his four-poster bed. The ghostly child smiled at Scrooge. I am the ghost of Christmas past, it said. Come with me. And it reached out for Scrooge's hand with a glowing arm. A strange sensation descended upon Scrooge when the ghost touched him. He felt his stomach squirm and his head spin. Then he was falling through the air. When he landed, it was no longer night, but day. A young man and a woman were seated on a bench, speaking quietly. Scrooge stared. But, 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 spirit, he gasped. That's me, as a young man. The spirit nodded, a smile on its glowing face. And that's... Scrooge's face fell, suffused with sadness, as he looked at the young woman. That's Belle. The spirit nodded. 
Scrooge and the ghost of Christmas past approached the couple soundlessly. The problem is, Ebenezer, that you want money above all else, Belle was saying, a look of immense sadness on her face. Money comes even before me. But Belle, think of the life I could give you if I had more money. The young Scrooge hardly seemed to be hearing her, and there was a light in his eyes as he thought about the riches which awaited him. Money cannot buy love, Belle said sadly. But again, the young Scrooge did not seem to hear her. Think what the money could buy, he was muttering distractedly, a gleam in his eye. You want money more than me, Ebenezer, Belle declared, standing up. And so, that means goodbye. She looked sad, but firm in her decision. Young Scrooge looked up at her, startled. But Belle, he cried, I'm doing this for you. Money means everything. No, Ebenezer, Belle replied, shaking her head, tears in her eyes. I do not want your money. I want your love. And you cannot give it to me. She paused. Goodbye, Ebenezer. And she walked away through the trees. Scrooge looked at his younger self, tears in his eyes. Run after her, you fool, he cried. But young Scrooge remained where he was, staring blankly after Belle as she walked away from him forever. Tears ran down Scrooge's face. Oh, spirit, he said to the ghost. Why do you show me these sad memories? Why do you torture me? The ghost simply stared at him. You are responsible for your actions, Scrooge, it said. We all are, and we must live with the consequences. And with these words ringing in his ears, Scrooge suddenly found himself back in his four-poster bed, all signs of the ghost of Christmas past, gone. Thanks for listening. Join us tomorrow for part two of A Christmas Carol. Adapted by Imagination Library. Happy Christmas Eve, everyone. See you next time.